0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Open your Bible with me, would you, to the book of Exodus, and just have that in place. We're in the first chapter, and uh, we'll walk through some of this book together. Amen? Well, as you know, Exodus, the word, it means exit or way out. It was penned on the inspiration of God by Moses in 1446 B.C., who also wrote the first five books of the Bible uh, under the hand of God, which we call the... Pentateuch or the books of the law. Now you're getting some information aren't you? Amen and you're mouthing it back to me so I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. What I love about the Old Testament is we can look at it and all the way through the scriptures we can see Jesus and the revelation of his love and his mercy woven into every chapter and every uh, dealing with man. In Moses himself he represents the law while we know Jesus came fully manifest God in human form manifesting grace and Truth, Moses, as we know, would only be permitted to bring the children of Israel right up to the edge of the land of promise because only Joshua, who typifies the Lord Jesus himself, would be able to lead the people into the land of promise. For us, the appropriation of that would be that the law can never take you to the place where God really wants you to be. Only his mercy, his love, and his grace can take us there. Amen? And we know that the Old Testament, as you know, is full of shadows and types and images that in those images we can see the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a miracle-working God. And in human history, he has been able to write into it the revelation of his nature, his character, his ways, his justice, his righteousness, his holiness, and his purity. And I love that about the Christian faith. That can never be said about any other spiritual book. Only the word of God has been truly written in human history. And that's what makes our faith real as we see God revealing himself in all his dealings with man. Amen? So it was God's plan to show himself in history. And this passage of scripture begins with The history of Moses and God's dealing with him. I think it would be great if we just bow our heads in prayer right now and ask that God would really impart into this weekend that this wouldn't be just a weekend, this would be an encounter with Jesus as we walk through it together. I don't know when you last reached out even just to touch the hem of his garment. Well, I want to tell you that's possible for every one of us over these coming days we might know the touch of God, that we might know as God ministers in this place over this weekend, just days that are absolutely full of the anointing and the release and the freedom and the joy of the Lord. Oh, Father, we come before you tonight and we ask that you would take control of every moment we spend together in this building over these two days. Lord, our worship is meant and designed to be an encounter with you. It's not meant to just go down a list of songs at a certain style or a certain um, type of, of worship song. Lord, we could sing all the songs and nothing happen in the heart. We could sing all the right words and make all the Pentecostal gestures, but we're far away from you in our hearts and minds. Lord, we don't want empty words to come out of our mouths this weekend. We want you to come and inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, we want you to manifest your glory among us that we would go from this place on Sunday night knowing that we have encountered Jesus his love his healing his salvation his restoration Lord come as we've already asked Lord come and do things your way in the name of Jesus amen and amen, hallelujah. Well, I'm not going to apologize for being excited about Jesus. That's just, the, that's just the way I'm wired, Pastor Dave. Amen. Praise the Lord. So can we just set the scene really? You remember Joseph has gone. 430 years have passed Generation after generation in Egypt have not known anything of the liberty and the freedom of living in their own land and being able to express worship and adoration to the Lord in the way that they wanted to. They had become accustomed to a slave mentality. And friends, we have to be careful about that even in the modern Christian age that we origin are living in now, even in New Testament days like we are living in. We have to be careful that we do not operate as a slave we have to be living as the sons of God, amen. And God, even in this situation, showed his absolute authority and plan and purpose in that while the children of Israel were in this condition and in this place, God was strategically planning behind the scenes, hallelujah. Somebody needs to hear that tonight as I prophesy over your life and say that God is planning behind the scenes to accomplish things that humanity could never do. There has been interference in things in your life. You find yourself in situations that you cannot cope with and handle and God says to you, my child, I am working behind the scenes. Trust me for I will yet raise you up and you will fulfill everything that I've scheduled and called you to do in my plan and purpose. Somebody says, Hallelujah. I never thought I'd be prophesying this quick, but glory to God, it's going to be a powerful weekend. Amen. And so, friends, we find the circumstances that God is working in means that he has to raise up a man, has to raise up a new leader. In the natural, Moses was destined to be a great leader in Egypt, but God had planned something greater for him. He would be the greatest leader in that season. In fact, uh, nobody <laughs> has surpassed him except Jesus in many, many ways. And there he was uh, in that season situation and only God could transform and bring him to the place in his spirit and his mind and heart where he could be the leader that God needed him to be. Hallelujah. I believe God is going to raise up amazing leaders in this next generation that follows Jesus. Pastor Dave, they are going to do things that we have never done. They're going to see extraordinary things take place and even now in the churches right across our land. I believe that God is shaping them and preparing them for such a time as this. Amen. Well, you remember that under the patronage of Joseph, Jacob and all his family went down to Egypt. I don't think that the scripture uses the word uh, without, you know, I think it's so precise. They went down to Egypt. <laughs> I think that says it all, doesn't it? But they went there and generations who had, had not, ex- that generation had not expected anything to change, anything Disastrous to happen they'd gone down because Egypt opened their doors to them and they went in and you know the story of how Joseph was raised up but isn't it interesting that the enemy can work so subtly because initially they felt secure in a place where they were never going to settle and that's a dangerous place to be in a place where you know you shouldn't settle and you shouldn't be. And done sometimes while we're en route to deeper control under the hand of the enemy, he's crafty and he will take you deeper and deeper and his plan is still for destruction. Remember the word says the thief comes to steal, only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life, life to the full, amen? And so I need to talk about something tonight by way of my first point that I don't feel particularly comfortable about speaking about, but, about it, but I've got to, to be able to bring this full message. And the first thing I want to talk about, which is so uh, necessary in our understanding for the church today, is the oppression. I want to, I want to talk about the oppressive way. The enemy was seeking to work. Satan will always try to oppress the believer. You see, a later pharaoh pressed Joseph's descendants into slavery and bondage. And this new king, to this new king, Joseph meant nothing at all. And the Egyptians began to feel threatened by God's people. So they began to oppress them and enslave them. It's an image uh, even today of how the enemy would want to set things up so that the people of God are treated harshly. He always wants to enslave and always wants to destroy. I think once we understand those things that he is not for us, we will make sure that we are living in a way that is, is rejects him and 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 make sure that we are not under his control and his influence. This is not a time to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, friends. The days that we are living in the seriousness of the days that we are living, the church needs to come right back to the place where she's on fire for God, filled with revival, full of of the heart and the passion for Jesus and for the kingdom. And this is how God needed to work in his people to set them free. My friend, the enemy has no plan other than to destroy. But I'm coming tonight to tell you that Jesus has a better plan for you. Hallelujah. He's got a great plan and a great purpose for you. And that's the best life that you could ever live. I want to tell you what I'm going to do on Sunday night. And I want you to get into action as a church. On Sunday night, I am going to share a gospel message that God dropped into my spirit. It was like a... It was like a thunderbolt into my heart and I'm going to preach my heart out on Sunday night and I want you to invite your neighbor I want you to invite your friend you may have stopped doing that I want you to bring somebody with you on Sunday night that has never heard the gospel or never responded to Jesus and I believe we can see the miracle of salvation in this place in the name of Jesus amen I want to ask you to up your expectation of what God can do and go For it in faith, and let's pack the house and believe that God can bring salvation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, isn't it amazing that God's plan was to use Moses as a savior, as a deliverer, to loose his people and let his People go. Amen. We pick up the story in Exodus chapter 1 and look at verse 8. Some things I've touched on already. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Friend, I want to tell you, there are new kings emerging around our world right now that do not know God and have no intention of serving him. A new king that does not serve the Lord we serve. And that's the situation that. Um, Moses found himself in look he said to his people the Israelites have become much too numerous for us come we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous and if war breaks out will join our enemies fight against us and leave the country I believe there is a spiritual Trojan horse being built in our day through the religion of Islam. And I stand on this pulpit with the authority of God and say we must arise as the church of Jesus and realize that we are the only ones who have the message that can change the world. Hallelujah. And we've got to get on with the job, my friend, in every opportunity that we can. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor and they built Python Ramesses and store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed the more they multiplied, glory to God. I love that, did you see that? The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. Look at what was going on here. There was a fear in the people of God against, uh, the Egyptians feared the Israelites and yet in the Israelites' minds, it was the other way on. They were held captive oppressed and bound under harsh treatment and harsh labor and yet the Egyptians were actually in fear of them because they knew the power of God was with them. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell them the power of God is with you tonight. You didn't do it. Amen. So they multiplied and yet with this dread, and they worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields. In their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. I want to tell you, if the enemy can use us, he would. But thanks be to God, by the call and the hand of the Almighty, we can be used for the work of the kingdom in our time, amen? So friends, let's acknowledge it is common practice for our enemy, Satan, to try to oppress the people of God. That's the tough bit over. Next, I want to talk about the new leader, amen? The new leader. In the Old Testament, it's Moses. In the New Testament, it's Jesus, hallelujah. It's Jesus, he's our new leader. You know, friends, if you were, if we had the time, I'm going to put lots of texts up on here. If you want to make a note of them, I'm going to give you a spiritual prescription for the weekend. Read them all before you go to bed. Amen. (laughs) And get them in your spirit. Amen. And understand this, that Numbers 26 and 59 explains to us that actually Moses did not have a good beginning. As an amazing number of Christians say they could never achieve and do and be what God wants them to do because they think their start in life was not as good as it ought to have been and it shaped them to be who they are today. I want to tell you, Moses who became one of the greatest leaders in the world never had a good beginning. You say, Pastor Paul, what do you mean? Well, he was born to Amran and Jacobed, three children born in slavery. Can you see that? They were born. Who were they? You, you know their names Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. Oh. My wife is called Miriam. Just the mention of her name is all. <laughs> don't, don't go there. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it gives me wobbles in my knees, Dave. Hallelujah. But Moses, they're born to the tribe of the Levites who was the priestly tribe. He was born of the priestly tribe and yet his beginning was not a good beginning from a natural earthly angle. But God's plan was bigger than his past, amen. God's plan was bigger than his past. And friends, it's true for you and I, many of you would be able to look back on your past And you would think things never really worked out in the ideal way. I never had the best beginning. My family situation, the circumstances, the things that have happened to me in my life. Some of you can't believe where you are today. And yet by God's grace and mercy, you're sitting in Moira Pentecostal Church tonight. Hallelujah. And you could look back and you have lots of excuses and lots of reasons why you could never achieve and be the person that God has called you to be. I come tonight to tell you, you can be everything that God has called you. Called you to be. You can fulfill and do everything that God has scheduled in His plan and His purpose for you in the same way that Moses did in His generation. Amen? Amen. Thank God. Oh, yes. So, back to the children of Israel, they are also an image of us. And while suffering was going on in Egypt, I want to tell you, God heard the cry of his people hallelujah he heard the cry and the call of his people i want to tell you god he is the cry of your heart god is concerned about you you are always on his mind and you are always in his sight you are always in full view and he is watching over you amen and sometimes we go through harsh times and difficult times but god's promises he will never leave us or forsake us he never left the children of israel there in egypt he was determined to bring them up and out into the land of promise amen amen so for israel a new leader emerged trained at the highest level, a man schooled in leading the people of God to become a powerful nation, the type of our saviour who saw the slavery of his own creation and put the plan in place to set us free from the oppression of the enemy and lead us into the land of promise. Amen? I love this story because while... The plotting and the planning of the enemy was going on. God working behind the scenes set things up for Moses even as a baby. Amen. Don't you love the story of how the midwife, uh, you know, took the child. The mum took the child. You know, she was. He was protected from death. He was protected from death, and he was placed on the river, hallelujah, and found by Pharaoh's daughter, Hallelujah! Isn't it is an amazing story, just woven in everyday events in life? Things that we would have thought were insignificant were absolutely significant for God to bring about His divine plan and purpose for the whole of His nation. Hallelujah! Imagine something like that happening in our lives—that that just meant that so many people were going to come to Christ because of even small incidentals, everyday events in our life, and that's how God can be working behind the scenes for you. You may feel so ordinary and you would think, Pastor, that could never be me. I come to tell you it can be you in the name of Jesus as we continue to arise in faith and expectation, knowing that God is divinely working out his purpose, even though we see what we see, In the days that we are living and so I love it because he even made Pharaoh's family pay for Moses's mum to look after him don't you find that hilarious the devil paid for the education of Moses who would be the one that God would use to lead the people out from the oppression and the bondage and the slavery hallelujah isn't that wonderful did you know that Moses the very name means I drew him out of water and the Bible says that we are born again by the rebirth and the washing of the word and we are baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ and we are drawn out of the water into resurrection life and the moment that that transformation happens my friend no longer are you living under the influence of a natural inheritance uh, caused by the sin inherent sin of Adam but you are living under the influence of the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ who is your savior your deliverer the one who lifts you up and out in the name of Jesus and sets you on a pathway with him working behind the scenes in every detail of your life hallelujah turn to your neighbor I don't know why I'm telling you this but I'm going to tell you tell him he even knows your address he does, he does. The word of God says, and he knows the very street you are living on. Glory to God. You know, Miriam and I recently, I don't know if this got to your ears, or oh, we've been so, so blessed. My goodness, you know, I didn't feel in my heart to move to London. To buy a place in London, Dave, is just, woo, you know, for, a, for a, an, an energetic 59-year-old, you know, I, I just thought, no, no, I don't think God wants me to take that on right now. I don't want to be spending that level of finance. So Miriam and I, we lived two doors from the church. That wasn't fair on the new guy, was it? So, <laughs> so we, we sold, and God said, buy in the village. And uh, our son came to us and he said, Dad, a property has just come on the market two doors down from us. We think you should buy it. And we have. And we've moved in. So every so often we see little faces pressed up against the door. Little blonde blue eyes knocking on. Nana and Papa, we've come to see you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, And uh, it's just wonderful. It's great because when I travel, when I commute, when I'm going about what God wants me to do, it's great. I know that my son Ben and his beautiful wife Eva are there supporting Miriam as well. And so, you know, my life has gone pace wise up to another level. Uh, but as I was visiting somebody the other day, somebody in the fellowship the other day he said, Pastor Paul, we don't understand it. How come you've got the energy of 10 men? <laughs> 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 yes, yes, yes. A mini master cope with that. <laughs> I do feel I have- it's amazing, isn't it, David? Yeah, I don't feel any different from when I was 18. Glory to God. I really don't, I don't look the same. I used to have a full head of hair right down here. But that's hair today gone tomorrow. Uh, and, and I look in the mirror and I see a different aged man. But I want to tell you that the enabling of God... There's a reason why I'm sharing this with you. It's not just to tell you a story. There's an enabling of God that kicks in when we obediently fulfill the call to the work of God. And right behind every scene and right behind every moment in Moses' life, even the times he couldn't understand what was going on, God knew exactly what he was doing hallelujah turn to your neighbor and say god knows exactly what he is doing and friend god has drawn you out of water i mean how could moses begin to think that god could use him in this way because he had to flee because he killed an egyptian to protect a hebrew imagine having that in your mind and heart And here we see great effects in the life of Moses as a result of the past. And I want to talk about the deliverance and the birth of the nation. You see, God said to Abraham that from him he would produce a nation. And this is the continuation of that story. Look at what happened to Moses. It changed his life totally. He'd fled from Egypt, and God knew he needed a moment that would change him forever. And the moment took place in chapter 3. Look at chapter 3 with me, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn. And I want to talk, pause there and say to you, sometimes we need to get comfortable when things happen in an unusual way with God because he doesn't fit in our box. We need to allow God to break in to our families, to our fellowship, to our lives, to our hearts, and begin to do the extraordinary. If ever we needed to see God move in these ways, we need it now. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, you see that, that's a significant word, isn't it? Moses could have just gone on by, but he went over to, to look. Maybe this weekend you could come in closer to look as you gaze on Jesus, as you gaze on him. God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And that this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. We could go on and read more verses. Let me just come down to verse 11 but Moses said to God who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt and God said I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you will worship God on this mountain dropping down Even more, 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. Hallelujah. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness. He was 80 years old when he had this encounter at the burning bush. And God initiated the encounter in a tiny little bush, a tree on fire that was not consumed. It's an image of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. God would dwell in him and fire would be upon him. A common little thorn bush ablaze in the desert with the glory of God's presence. Fire being the symbol of the presence of God. So Moses removes his shoes as a sign that even the ground on which he is standing is holy. That's your life, friend. The moment you came to Jesus, Every place where you put your foot, you bring the government and the rule of the Almighty. I love it that God introduces himself as the God of his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he says his name, I am who I am. If we had time, we'd realize that God was saying, I'm the one who is without beginning and without I am self-existent and have just always been. (laughs) Glory to God. That's your savior. And then we move into our new leader and our new king, Jesus. And in the gospels, we find the master revealed as the great I am. He's the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door for the shape. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Glory to God. And we in the house of the Lord need to learn to kick off our shoes in reverence again. The presence of the Most High for the fire of God will be upon us this weekend. I know. I know. You know the claim that Jesus made to be the Messiah and the Savior was obvious to the Jews in the time he walked upon the face of the earth. They knew from his vocabulary exactly what he was saying. And then I want to look very briefly, I'm I'm on the home run, turn to your neighbour and say, it's nearly done, it's Saturday night. And while you do... A blessed man, Pastor David. Such a blessed man. Hallelujah. Just want to briefly comment on Moses' approach. And I believe it should encourage us to recognize that we function under the blood covering of the cross and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we live in that power to serve. See, when you look at Moses, Moses is commissioned by God go I am sending you and we get the same commissioning from the Lord Jesus Christ himself go into all the world and preach the gospel before he said that he said all authority has been given unto me go into all the world and preach the gospel And so Moses is commissioned but immediately he begins to raise doubt and objections. Generally, objections that we make would be along a similar line to Moses where we would use words like, well, what if this happens? and But what about this? And, you know, I, I'm not the right person to send. This is what Moses was saying. You would be far better off choosing somebody else. And I know exactly the human nature has that way of thinking ingrained in her. And here we find Moses does the same thing, but the Lord immediately calls him to demonstrate authority through the rod of the word. God always asks us to begin to use what we have in our hand right where we are standing. It troubles me that so many Christians are sitting in churches waiting for the call of God when the call of God has already been given. Waiting for their authority, waiting to be ready when, friend, the authority of God has already been given. I wonder what made Moses feel inadequate because that was the problem. He felt inadequate and unable. I think it had to do with his past. I wonder at what point Moses became a man of faltering lips, because he certainly wasn't like that when he was being schooled to be a leader in Egypt. And yet, the moment that God called him, he raises his inadequacies and has a need. And of course, it's an image as well, because there is fear there. And so, God aligns Aaron to him, who is the priest, the word, and between them they're able to move in the authority of God. And then God does not send Moses to negotiate. He sends him to tell Pharaoh, command Pharaoh. Too many Christians are negotiating. We need to stand in the knowledge and the wisdom and the full counsel of God that we have received for such a time as this. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't negotiate with the devil. Hallelujah. No, we stand. We stand. You see... I was fascinated. Miriam and I were having an amazing conversation the other day. We were, oh my Lord, Dave, we were in heaven. And, And we were recognizing, both recognizing that we do not need to struggle to get free. We don't need to somehow struggle through our past problems, our issues, and how tough the road in ministry has been for us at times. We don't need to deal with that or even handle it. We pass it to the grace and the mercy of God, we forgive and we release and we let people go and we go ahead in the liberty and the freedom that we already possess in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not allow yourself to be yoked again to bondage and slavery. And that's the tactic of how the enemy seeks to oppress The saints. He tries to make the Christian feel that he can't be free until that's handled, until that's dealt with, until this is sorted out. And and there is an element of truth in it, in the sense that sometimes we have to forgive somebody to gain our full release. But the fact remains, my friend, Jesus has broken the power of the oppressor, has loosed you, and has totally set you free to fulfill everything that God has. Has called you to fulfill amen you know I feel like I'm a preaching to 2,000 people tonight glory to God amen I do I do glory to God so don't contend don't negotiate and then Moses contends with Pharaoh that's what the Bible says he went to contend with Pharaoh the Lord said to me son you don't need to contend with any demonic power authority or the enemy, or anything in the world, I contended with it for you. That's it. He did it all. He accomplished it all. I thought, Lord, yes, I stand in that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because he made a way where there seemed no way. And then the plagues, let me just talk about that just very, very briefly. The first nine plagues God demonstrates his power over all creation. Somebody wrote and said that actually was also demonstrating his power over all their false gods as well. But I love it when, and what a tender night it was, when God demonstrated his power and authority over death and life, and every firstborn Egyptian son was taken as the angel of death came through. And you remember the story. I sometimes think we just skim over these things. We don't realize what was really happening. There was a darkness over Egypt that night that the Egyptians had never, ever experienced. It wasn't just because it was night. It was a spiritual, demonic darkness that you could feel in the air, and it moved like a dark shadow through the whole city, through the whole nation, and took the life, the breath. The God who gave breath has the power to take breath, and he did, but in every house that belonged to his people, the light was on. And you know why. Because they'd obeyed the command of God to prepare. Prepare for what is coming. Church, I've come this weekend to bring a prophetic word to prepare for what is coming. We will know what is to come. That's a promise from God. We will know. And as the Israelites prepared, God said very specifically, take a spotless, perfect lamb, sacrifice it unto me, and sprinkle the blood over the doorposts and the lintel. And when I see the blood the angel of death will pass over you it will not come nigh to your house Amen it will not come it cannot touch you as you covered are covered by the blood of the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world Because this was the inauguration of the Passover. Celebrated from generation to generation to generation. And then we come to the new king and the new leader, Jesus. And in Jesus, before he lays down his life as the perfect lamb of God, he celebrates the Passover. Uh, And he's saying, here I am. He's saying, here I am, you know, thousands of years before when I protected you from death and brought you up and out, I was saying, one day, the eternal Lamb of God would come and his blood would be shed for the remission of our sin. Wow. Communion replaces the Passover as we remember his death until he comes again. You don't need to go back into Judaistic practices. That is obsolete and the new celebration has been given to us as we share together in the one loaf and the one cup. Doesn't that stress the seriousness of what we'll do tomorrow morning as we gather round this table? Celebrate. Then the crossing of the Red Sea. Hallelujah. God said to him, come on, lift the rod. The sea parted. It was like a baptism. They crossed on dry land. And the liberal theologians said they just happened to come up to a point where there was two inches of water. And then we say, well, that's fantastic. How did a whole army of Egyptians drown in two inches of water? Hallelujah. And they're still finding the chariots and the swords. Amen. Wow. Glory to God. I'm closing. A journey that should have taken 40 days took 40 years because of rebellion disobedience and the need to have selfish needs met in the church today we have a self problem I call it eye disease we've reduced our worship from an encounter with God to a time when we sing songs. Nothing wrong with that, we need to express, celebrate. But worship is the whole of your life. Every second you breathe, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. And then when we come together, we come before a burning bush we kick off our shoes and we encounter the holiness and the purity and the righteousness of God. Tomorrow, I believe God will present himself as we worship and we will know we're on holy ground. Friends, we can face many difficulties in the Christian life. We can be tempted to wander from the ways of God, allow ourselves to be ensnared because of what's happened in our lives. We can walk through wilderness years. God uses those very things to raise the leader up in us, to prepare us and shape us. But there's one thing for sure. He's with you in every trial in every mountain in every valley he'll never leave you he'll bring you through and you're coming through into a land flowing with milk and honey friend your destination isn't your pension your destination is heaven hallelujah you have not finished until you see him <laughs> Glory to God. You haven't finished until you see him. Don't expect an easy life. Don't expect an easy road. You haven't finished until you see him. Friends, it's been a joy to be with you tonight. I want to close with one statement. Close the door as you exit your old life and leave it firmly shut and live for the glory of God, fulfilling and discharging everything he has called you to do for his glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast.